in the spirit of reconciliation. Advocacy for inclusion acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to Advocacy for Inclusion's Staying Connected podcast. As I'm recording this interview, the ACT is still in lockdown. We're staying at home, working from home, and our young people are studying from home. Every day we turn to the announcements from the Chief Minister and the ACT Chief Health Officer to find out the latest numbers of people with COVID and the additions to exposure locations. Yesterday, the 24th of August, was a record number of 30 people. A particular concern for ourselves at Advocacy for Inclusion and the wider disability community are the COVID cases in the local disability community. AFI CEO Nick Lawler joins us today to talk about the current situation. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Rob. It's good to be here, Mark. ACT Health Minister Rachel Stephen-Smith announced on Sunday that there was a cluster of 14 COVID cases involving multiple disability support uh, providers. The cases included people with disability and a considerable number of support workers. Are there particular factors that have contributed to COVID impacting on the ACT disability community? And what do you think needs to be addressed as soon as possible? Good question, Rob. And um, obviously now we are faced with with this uh, to go forward. Um, And it's a situation we were certainly hoping that wouldn't eventuate. However, it has. Uh, And um, I guess uh, now the the most important thing that, that is coming out of this is is vaccinate, vaccination priorities for people with a disability and obviously support workers. Yeah, that, I, I think that's the, the greatest safeguard to go forward uh, to protect people and uh, by increasing the vaccination rates, um, but also pro- by providing the opportunity for people with a disability to insist that their support workers are vaccinated also. Now, this is a topic of discussion which is currently being bounced around and, but I do think that that is one of the, the most critical factors to go forward and um, the discussions are yet to, to eventuate significantly around that and or outcomes uh, for that. And, you know, so to mitigate the risk of severe illness, the, the priority does remain with getting more and more people vaccinated and people with a disability, the information to be able to make uh, informed decisions around vaccinations. You know, supported decision-making, um, uh, principles and and certainly providing access uh, for people to be um, making supported decision making a priority for people who may be unsure about vaccines um, and to, so we can assist them in making informed decisions um, to go forward. Currently, the NDIR are pushing for legislation that support workers must be vaccinated, um, similar to the aged care sector and. Uh, AFI certainly supports this move as a way forward to protect both uh, people with a disability and obviously support workers themselves. 
So in I guess taking up from that, um, in the interim, so there may be some legislative measures that come into place in terms of, of compulsory vaccination. Um, in, in the meantime, when it comes to uh, people out in the community, people with disability and, and also carers who have concern about support workers and vaccination, what what's your, your kind of... Um, bottom line advice to people in that situation where they're facing that uncertainty with um, support workers should I cancel um, support workers or um, how would you suggest people find their way forward with that uncertainty yeah look I I spoke to a member of AFI yesterday interestingly um, who was terrified of allowing support workers into her home um, not knowing if they were vaccinated and um, as a result I know that quite a lot of people are actually cancelling their shifts because of fear um, of catching COVID. And, and look, although this is really understandable, and I think what we need to do is really put ourselves into the shoes of, of the people who are affected by this. You know, um, we're talking about individuals who may or may not have uh, support circles around them, and um, the, the fear must be absolutely crippling, uh, you know, not knowing you know, the risk of becoming unwell, uh, it, it's an awful situation. I would like to stress, though, that um, that uh, people talk to their service providers prior to cancelling their shifts. You know, talk to the service providers about um, their concerns uh, and um, and what strategy strategies the service providers themselves have in place to to ensure that the support workers are, are safe, obviously, and... and um, <clears throat> are, going through all the uh, vaccinations and or uh, COVID tests um, uh, prior to people cancelling their shifts. And, and, of course, we are in a lockdown in the ACT and, and there is rules that, that we all must follow. And <coughs> AFI has easy English documentation available uh, to, to make sure that people have the best understanding they can about what those rules are before they do enter into the community. Uh, so, look, I, I encourage everyone to seek reliable sources of information to go forward, reach out to organisations such as Advocacy for Inclusion um, and talk to people about what they're unsure of and their concerns about accessing the community, about support workers accessing their home. Uh, as I said, speak to uh, their service providers about uh, what they have in place to protect them and, um, and go forward like that. My real concern, or there is a real concern that, people cancelling their shifts with their support workers will become more and more isolated in their homes, which, as we know, would, would not be a very good situation to be in. Yes, it's a great concern, of course, with um, the the stay-at-home provisions at the moment, that, that element of social isolation. Um, we will... With the information on this podcast, we'll, of course, provide all of our contact details um, as we we usually do as an advocacy organisation and really emphasise it that we are here for people with disability in the ACT region um, in terms of any issues that they're having, um, whether it's with service provision or other issues. Um, would I be right to say that that we would be particularly interested in hearing people's experiences of um, negotiating with service providers at this time, Nick? Most certainly, yes. And that is a critical element. It's, um, 
uh, anyone that is experiencing any issues or um, <clears throat> going forward with service providers, I really do encourage to reach out and talk to us. Um, now that is, we can assist them by by assist part, being their voice and going and speaking to to the service providers themselves, um, raising their concerns uh, and um, and getting the best outcome. It's it's really important that we continue to have these conversations uh, and and keep the conversations open so that the best outcomes can be sought uh, in this situation. And in terms of um, if there's a, a, a new listener or somebody who's not familiar with advocacy for inclusion, um, I just wonder if you could speak a little bit around um, the different strands of advocacy um, that we actually do on a day-to-day -day basis at AFI. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Look, um, advocacy for inclusion uh, does provide individual advocacy, <clears throat> but we also provide a, a systemic advocacy and training. Uh, and um, uh, with the training sector, uh, as you're very well aware, as you're the, the main author of that, Rob, is we do produce easy English documentation. So um, uh, we can provide feedback also through the governments. And um, uh, so that's a really critical aspect as well of what we do. Because sometimes it's not known, and um, you know we can we can draw attention to to issues that are going on, uh, and um, inform government um, and in times advise government about solutions that may need to be uh, come up with. So uh, yeah, the organisation is well equipped to, to deal with um, inquiries, and I again please reach out to us, um, discuss your concerns, and. Uh, we will do everything we can to assist you in your particular situation. Great. Thanks, Nick. And um, thanks for um, letting people know about those easy English resources. Again, we'll include a link to the resources um, in the write-up for the podcast. Um, but most recently, um, the resource that we've, we've just brought out is an easy English. It's almost like an easy English dictionary for all the terminology, all the words that are being used at the moment in the media and from government um, around COVID-19. Um, yes. So some of these words are really, um, we kind of presume that everybody knows what we're talking about when we use these words, but so often that isn't the case. Um, exactly so right. Hopefully that the resource will prove, um, will prove useful um, for people or for people who are supporting others as well, just to explain what's going on and why it's going on. Yes. Nick, thank you uh, very much. It's a, just a short little touching base interview um, today, but thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Rob. It's been great. Um, I just want to point out before we go that um, anyone without access to uh, to the internet but maybe listening today or social media um, where we're releasing the Easy English documentation, please give our office a call and we're happy to post those um, documents out to you that may be of assistance. And when you do receive them, if you want someone to go through them with you, again, give us a call and um, we're happy to go through those again with you. Great. Thanks for that, Nick. You take care. Have much. a good day. Thanks, Rob. You too.